what's going to be the best decision, what's going to make me the happiest, what's going to what's going to like fulfill me. And that's kind of always the way that I try to go. Welcome back to Millennial Producer. I'm your host Dominic Di Maria. My guest today is Arlie Montez. She's a freelance producer based out of LA. She lives on the east side in Boyle Heights and produces commercials and digital content across a broad range of production companies, networks, and brands. Freedom! So fresh, so new. Now I got it. Do you hear me now? I do. I got you loud and clear. Okay, perfect. Sorry, that was really technical and silly. Hi. Hey, how's it going, Arlie? <laughs> good. How are you? I'm good. It's good to see you. It's good to have you on the show. Yeah. Thank you for awesome. having me. Yay. Okay. <laughs> For those who don't know, we've known each other for a while, but never actually met in person, so... <laughs> <I know. laughs> we keep, like, putting it off and being like, oh, I'm coming to LA, or oh, I'm coming to New York, and, like, this is how we're meeting in person I know. on Zoom. <laughs> well, a couple of weeks ago, it was actually supposed to be, as you remember, I was supposed to be in LA yeah. last week of March, and it just, of course, didn't happen, so here we are. Yeah, no, it's fine. Here we are. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you finally. I'm like this. <laughs> How did you get into this uh, this whole entertainment business? I hate admitting it, but when I was little, I worked in television for a while um, in front of the camera. And so that was a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> child actors like have like a weird thing, so I don't like talking about it. But, um, but I was on set as a kid, and that's kind of where I spent a lot of time, and I kind of grew up there. And so being on set... And that kind of like fast pace and seeing people collaborate in that way. And it was like such a group, you know, you felt like you were part of a family. I really enjoyed that. And so as I grew up and I went to school and I did other things, I always kind of knew that that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be in a creative space. I wanted to be in a collaborative space. I wanted to be in a, in a group of people, like, you know, all of us working together. And so I pursued, I knew that I was going to do production. And I uh, moved to Italy. I went to uni there. And the program that I was in was focused on production. It was a communications program, but we were making music videos. And our thesis was like, uh, we had to make a short and that kind of stuff. And so when I was done with that, I moved back to Miami. And that was meant to be a temporary move just for me to like make some money and then come to California. Because ultimately, and this was my thought, this is still my thought. If you're going to do production and you really want to pursue production, you got to be in the center of it. And for me, it feels like the center of it is either New York or Los Angeles. And I like the mountains. So I wanted to go to Los Angeles. The choice is a little um, more obvious. You know, whatever. So here I am in Los Angeles. But, um, so I went to Miami and I was trying to figure out a way to do production while I was trying to get myself up after school, you know. And I landed interning at a camera shop which at first for me was kind of like, oh, I'm at a camera shop, like how boring, you know? But ultimately, as it turns out now, that was actually super beneficial because I learned about equipment and I learned all this technical side that I wouldn't have otherwise learned about. So that has been super beneficial now when I'm bidding and when I'm trying to put packages together and put shoots together. Um, Works at a camera house. And then from there, you make connections. You know, you talk to people and I ended up landing on a commercial shoot because at the time, this was like in the early 2000s, Miami had, or Florida had a film incentive, like a tax incentive. And so a lot of production companies, bigger production companies that shot commercials and stuff like that, shot their commercials in Florida. And so it was booming. Like there was just like constant production. So I landed on a big union commercial for like Smuggler or something. That was like my first job. 
and um and I was just like a little set PA and I didn't know what to do and I would like knock on the office like on the the motorhome for like the production team and just be like hi I'm you do you guys need someone to like tape receipts or like staple something like I kept doing that all day until finally at the end of the day they like let me place PC receipts and then um they just kept calling me and then it just kept going and you know here I am I moved to LA in 2013 and there was like a job opportunity and I thought it was going to be wonderful so I came that fell through but I kept freelancing because I had all those contacts from when I had been doing commercials in Florida and yeah it just kept evolving which is great because also another thing in Florida which you know it is what it is in like smaller um cities where they do production smaller groups um there wasn't a lot of opportunity for growth. You end up getting a bit pigeonholed into a like position because it's just it's just the nature of it. People that have been PMing there or producing have been doing it for years and years. They're like veterans, you know. Yeah. And so if you're new and you're growing, it's really hard to move up. So the move to Los Angeles was also this huge opportunity for me, like you know, filled with possibility because I was going to be able to grow here and. I did like you know over time like you start I started off as an office PA and I moved up to coordinator and then I started PMing and now I'm like line producing and producing and just it'll keep going as time passes it's only been a decade so <laughs> you know our generation is we're at a point where we're 10 years into our careers you know like yeah. legitimately like in the space and I think that there's a lot of uh I think real wisdom to come from that and one of those things is to to your point that you know, you maybe don't think that like working in a in a camera house is going to be this crazy beneficial move, but all of a sudden it's this area of expertise. And yeah. it was like when I was working for Apple back in the day and I was mm -hmm. a store trainer and I'm like, I want to make films, you know? Yeah. It, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. it was never a thing that I thought like those skills are going to translate over, at least not maybe intentionally. But what ended up happening is that, you know, through some of the like the training efforts and stuff, when we launched the Apple Watch, which is one of my last big projects at Apple, yeah. it was a moment where I had to run logistics for 100 people for six weeks, like by the hour. And I was like, yeah, no, that's perfect. <laughs> it's that's like production skills. Yeah, you're producing. You were producing that launch for sure. Um, yeah, I think, you know. Right now, like you're you're trying to like assess your skill, like a lot of the times you're trying to assess your skills and see like could this pertain to something else. And it turns out that what we do can be used for so many other uh, industries, and you wouldn't even think of it. But it's just like really, we're organizing things and we're producing. You know, you're producing a film, but you could produce an event, you could produce a launch, you could produce so many other things. And we're also super resourceful, and like we have to research things, and that's just that can be applied anywhere. Like our skills are so transferable and like really good and beneficial for other industries. So, so and we don't think about that necessarily. What people don't realize is that you're just running a company. Absolutely. You a small it. little company, but that's what you're doing. It's, Absolutely. it's like really applicable and it's a good skill. I think <laughs> something that is interesting to me is that you've talked about a lot of different types of projects that you've done. Being a freelance producer, being a freelance person in general, you end up, taking jobs spread out all over the place and this is also a way to grow and to get experience because you can kind of see like what you prefer what you like more what you don't like etc so i started in commercials in union commercials and then from there i kind of went you know once you do one commercial you can do another commercial so you can jump between union and non-union they have different rules it doesn't matter you're in commercials um i did that for a really long time and then 
I don't even know how this happened. Actually, I do know. Um, I was working at one production company and I had been working there for a really long time and they got a docu-series and I was hired to AP on the docu-series. So this was kind of my first foray into a producing a series or like being in the production team of a series from start to finish. Cause I was on it from the pilot and then it went away for a little bit until they decided. And then we did the full season of the show. And honestly, that, by the way, side note, that was one of my favorite projects. It was a hip hop dance docu-series competition. Very hybrid, very confusing. Yeah. Um, it was. I love intersectional stuff like that, though. That's cool. It was, it was weird. But it was one of the most interesting projects. I enjoyed it so much. I loved getting the full story behind all these kids and these dancers there it that whole world is so fascinating and I had danced before and I kind of knew a little bit about it but like seeing it now as an adult was so oh my god it was so much fun um and then my favorite project and then it, we finished it we shot it we edited we did the whole thing and it's sitting on a shelf <laughs> it never it never made it to air which is also like a thing that happens sometimes you just like put your like blood, sweat and tears into something and then it just never sees the light of day and it just is what it is anyway. So that was my foray into television. Um, and then I've worked as a in-house producer at a content studio, which is kind of like a hybrid agency production situation. And that's a whole other ball game. Cause you know, when you're, you've been freelancing for years and then you go into a company and you're there, you kind of have to learn a whole different routine. Because now it feels more normal or more, not normal, but more like stable. You know what I mean? You have to go sure. every day. You're with the same people. So there's like a little bit of adapting that goes into that because you're not used to it. I feel like sometimes <laughs> as freelancers, we could be like feral cats almost, you know, because they're just kind of like spread all over the place. And we're we're used to like moving around and maybe we're not working for a week or two. And then we're like on something and we have like 18 hour days for two weeks in a row or whatever. So um, that was a little bit of an adapting, but I also learned a lot from it because you freelancers, we work in groups all the time. We work with teams, but the teams are always changing. And so when you're with the same team, you're learning different skills of managing these personalities over a longer period of time. And uh, you, and in that specific job, I learned a lot about fitting, which I hadn't had the opportunity to learn about that before. But when you're in house, if you're an in-house producer, you're going to be fitting a lot. So that was a great experience. And then from there, I've just kind of been bouncing around because I moved up to producing. So I, there's like one content studio, like a friend of mine who directs and I work with him a lot. I've got a couple of like directors that I'm really close with and then I produce for them. And I also, last year, I started working at a network um, producing their, producing digital content for them. And through that, I've done little sketch comedy things. I produce a comedy, like a stand-up comedy line showcase there it is we went to Austin to do like a whole comedy series comedy thing and it was that was my second favorite project I would say I loved doing that and I had never done comedy specials it's actually one of my favorite forms of content like I like to consume stand-up comedy a lot whatever my personal hey, preference here and it's really special art form it is. And I, I like how vulnerable people get. And I, I just like seeing funny people be clever and witty. You know, I like to see what comes out of their heads. Like, you know what? I know it's practice, but like, it just feels very organic. And I love that, that conversational style. Sure. So it was so much fun being able to put that together. Uh, actually see the inner workings of like something that I really enjoy doing. Hopefully I get to do that again soon. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it. You just, 
it's the nature of the thing. You end up bouncing around because you're trying to grow, because you're trying to land at whatever your ultimate goal is. So you have to kind of like test the waters, see what you like, and then keep going and making those connections. Because that's the other thing. This is a business of making connections. You know, you are only as good as your last job. And depending on how you get along with your team, they're going to either pass you along or not. They're going to hire you for more things, et cetera. So I feel like that's also when you're trying all these different things, if you end up with a group that's like in commercials, you're going to keep doing commercials. Or if you end up in a group that's doing one thing, you're going to end up doing that. So yeah. uh, My, my partner Chuck talks about the zone of proximal development, which is a fancy way to say like the people you're around are the people you're around. You know, if you're, (laughs) if you're in the comedy scene, you're in the comedy scene. If if you want to, if you want to work in a particular space, you've got to be a valuable addition to that space. That's just the Absolutely. Way what were some of the um, maybe you can unpack some of the nuances between like working in house and then, you know, something like like comedy specials. It's such a specific type of production. It's like halfway event, halfway shoot. You know, can yeah. you uh, talk about some of the differences working in house? You have a bunch of different projects. So even though you're in the same place and with the same people and it feels like an office setting, but the projects are always different depending on what your content is. Personally, what we were doing at that content studio was like music videos and ads. So they were very quick projects, you know, so it's constantly changing, whatever. You're on a project for maybe like three weeks while you're also prepping another one, but they're, they're short bursts. Um, doing the comedy special, that project itself took me three months because it was at a network and, you know, you're dedicated to the project. You have one thing. And that, I think that's what happens when you're at a network like that. You end up, there's enough people that they can dedicate you exclusively to one thing for a long time. So you get really attached and you get really involved in the project. Whereas maybe when I was um, in studio, you know, at the content studio or even freelancing, you don't get the opportunity to connect that much because you're just kind of like, push it on, push it on, finish it. Okay, you're done. You wrapped it, pass it along to someone else. And now it's not your problem anymore. So even if you even if you really love it, you know, you might be loving this commercial, or you might be loving this scheme or whatever, you know, that it's kind of fleeting, like it's not going to last forever, because you're not going to edit it. So it's gone. And it's also short, the comedy thing, the network work, um, you end up getting more attached to the project and more attached to the process and more attached to all of it. And then when it's done, it's almost like, my baby. It's out. <laughs> Go away. You know what I mean? Like you just like turned in this thing that you've been like pouring yourself into for X amount of months or whatever. Um, and I think that's kind of the biggest difference. You can get attached to things and also and just like the fleeting nature of it where it, it depends too, because some people don't want to be involved in something over and over again. That could be tiresome for some. Um some people like this, you know, quick pace of things. I personally, there are, depending on the project, if it's something that I really enjoy, I don't mind spending like a while doing it. But usually for commercials, I'm very grateful that they're short. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great that they're really quick because I don't want to be there too long, like pumping out an ad or whatever. But anyways. With the comedy thing is the the fact that you are connecting so deeply that it, it is such a sort of a, a longer, you know, it's not a feature, but it's a long-term project and that you can really invest in it. Is that part of what like really helps you connect to it? Aside from the fact that I just care about comedy as a, as a thing in itself, you know, like from the get-go, they were, you know, they presented it to me like, Hey, do you want to produce this comedy special? The other thing I should also mention, do you want to produce this comedy special in Austin? 
so there was a travel element involved, which mm-hmm. I also am obsessed with traveling. I have such a travel blog. I mean, I went to school in Europe, so like this is a thing. Um, and so they present me with this project. Do you want to produce a comedy special in Austin? Absolutely. Traveling and comedy, sign me up. And then as it's going on, even with the challenges, because obviously like everything has challenges, you know, it's not always easy. Even with the challenges of like being far from where the actual production is happening and like having to do it remote and then having to travel back and forth to Austin various times, like to location scout and tech scout and meet the crew and like do all this stuff. Um, even with those challenges, you're so involved. It's great. It helps that I liked the project. I think that if you don't like it, this would not have been as fun. <laughs> it would have just been kind. There would have been parts of it that were kind of annoying. Yeah. But um, because I liked the content, because I liked what we were doing, it ended up being such a better experience. And I think that all of the team that we were working on it, we were actually really enjoying it and we were enjoying what we were doing. And that also helps, you know, when you like the people that you're working with, we all really vibed really well. And also because we were traveling together, we got to know each other in a different way. And yeah. that, was, that just made it even better. Like I was saying earlier, a lot of millennials are 10, 12, 15 years in their careers now. And yeah. Things. What are important things for us in terms of um, just things we need to know? I think that a lot of people still have this, a couple of years ago when we were still maybe like five years into our careers, you know, like the millennials, I felt like everybody was picking on millennials a bit. You know, like, oh, millennials, they're so entitled, like this kind of stuff. Social media. Yeah, exactly. But now time has passed and we're now kind of, we're older. Like we're not the millennials of five years ago. We're now pretty much established in our careers. We're moving along things that have been changing, you know. And so I think that with that, it's not as bad as it used to be, but I still think that something that we need to keep in mind is that... We still need to keep very positive attitudes and we need to put in a lot of effort into what we're doing. We cannot be lazy. We have to have a strong work ethic, especially in production, because part of what we do requires a lot of attention, focus, and discipline. And myself included, at work, I am so on it. I'm so efficient. I'm like, I am paying attention. I'm doing what I need to do. I've got my checklist. I'm checking it off. You know, that's part of the thing. I'm checking it off. But in my personal life, like sometimes I'm very like loosey goosey, but I think it has to do with that in our job, you have to be that way. And so I, and also when I'm on set and I see, you know, you hire PAs, you have people on set that are coming up and new. I sometimes see people that are not as, I don't want to say dedicated because I think that if you're in this, it's because you love it. But I think they just don't know about that, like, hard work ethic, not complaining, just being like, yes, what do I need to do? I will do it. Um, how do we problem solve? Instead of being like, oh, I can't do this. No, we can do that. There's, there's always a solution to the problem. Let's figure it out together. Let's talk about it. You know, just that can do attitude. And I hate generalizing, too, because the thing is that I work with really great people that we all have that same mentality. And that's why we get along. And that's why we work together, because I know that at any given point, it's always going to be like, how do we fix it? Always have that can do positive attitude. We can do it. We can solve it. I'm putting in effort. This is what I, you know what I mean? Just passion into what you're doing because if not, it shows. And this is a business of like, you have to love it. I mean, it's a great advice because I think a lot of times it can be disheartening, you know, to... to 100%. It, it can be disheartening to uh, 
to go in and, you know, and PA and maybe not be on the types of shoots you want. And it's like, each time you do that, though, you're learning how to curate what you want to do next, right? And it, exactly. it, it's building a skill set, it's building the relationships. And if, if nothing else, telling you something that, you know, is maybe not a great fit for you, which is another, it's another win. Every single job, like you said, even if you don't like it, you're going to learn something. Something. Something random. You never know. Or maybe you'll just like bump into someone. Even if it's like some weird, who knows? But you will learn something and you just have to take it that way. Like you have to think of everything as an opportunity for growth and learning. Because you might meet someone on a, you know, you might be doing a job that sucks. The hours are bad. It's nothing that interests you. But you meet someone who knows someone who works in the thing that you do like. And if you had a good attitude and were chatting with people and like getting to know what they were doing or whatever, obviously not chatting too much so you're not doing your job. But, <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? But chatting enough to get to know them, then there you go. You like made a connection. You learned about something new, whatever, what have you. What do you do personally to sort of maintain the balance of being really impassioned about it, but also sort of uh, releasing the, the white knuckles? You know, you have to have like your main goal. I want to produce television or I want to produce XYZ or I want to be a director. I want to be a DC, whatever. But at the same time, ultimately, at the end of the day, we have to pay bills, too, you know, and we have to, you're not, when you just start, you're not going to be a DP from the beginning, you know, you're not going to be a director just like starting off. And so I think you have to keep that goal in mind, but also be really open minded and kind of let the jobs take their, their path in a way, you know, and that's that's kind of been my philosophy. Have there been jobs that I don't like doing? Sure. But I've done them and I've always gotten somewhere else from those jobs. A little bit of patience, which I'm not patient at all, but <laughs> I've, you, you have to be a little patient and like let things evolve organically and just, but also it's a balance. You got to let it like go organically, but also try to make choices that are going to lead you into the direction that you want. Because you will get pigeonholed if you're just doing commercials and you're just hanging out with commercial people. Part of the reason I ask is because it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a mystery box. You know, I think it's, it's yeah. the truth that you have to act with intention toward, toward an outcome, but also like there's a, there's an expiration date or, or a finish line to your amount of control over that. Like what you can control is how you move into a space but everything else that happens around you, it, it, there's an openness that I think you need to have. And it's funny because it can sound kind of hippy dippy, but I think that there's a level of this that is a little bit of a spiritual exercise, right? It's a little bit of like... Oh, 100%. Yes. Yeah. That's, like, that's totally a thing. And I, I like to... I pride myself on being pragmatic and rational. I think that's something that you have to be when you're in production or like in some kind of producer role of any kind. You have to be very pragmatic and you have to be very, you know, sudden ways. But when I'm making decisions about jobs, and this happens to me all the time, I get like three calls at the same time and I have to make a decision about which job to take. And it's always like one pays a lot more, but one is something that you actually want to do. And then there's this third one that's kind of like a hybrid and you're trying to figure out what to do. I always like take a pause. I close my eyes and I'm just like, okay, what's going to be the best decision? What's going to make me the happiest? What's going to, what's going to like fulfill me. And that's kind of always the way that I try to go. Um, 
maybe it's not the highest paying thing, but if I think that it's going to make me grow, advance, evolve, or just make me enjoy what I'm doing a little bit more, I'll probably go that way. And it's, it's like a gut thing. You know, sometimes you just have to listen to your gut when you're yeah. choosing the jobs and what you're trying to navigate. Are there particular things you do to stay sensitive to what your, what your gut is saying, what your intuition is calling to you? Um, like just like my habits, my daily. Yeah. Your, your daily practice. I mean, I do a lot of Pilates. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like such nice. a California person saying that, but <laughs> it's true. I love Pilates. Actually, you know, for a while, I didn't exercise as regularly as I should have. And it actually really affects the, like, you as a person, my job, like, my attitude. Because I just, you get so wound up. So it really helps when you're exercising. Um, I don't know. I That's kind of my, my one relief. I also, I have, like, this weird pattern where I work, 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 work. And then I have downtime. And so there's this odd, it's not a balanced life every day. But it is balanced in a way where there's like periods of a lot of activity and periods of a lot of down. And in those down periods, I really take the time to like sit and I reflect, what did I just do? What did I like about it? What didn't I like about it? What do I want the next step to be? And I kind of just like manifest and I journal and I like, you know, I put all the thoughts from the past and for, like from the past job and then what I want for the future job kind of like down and then that kind of helps in a way to help me to make the connection or to like make the phone call to someone like hey I'm available like if you have something like xyz like let me know or sometimes things just pop up and I'm like oh my god I wasn't thinking about that yeah. <laughs> and then it just kind of like it all melds um and I think that's kind of that's super part of our job of our of our industry you know especially if you're freelancing you're going to be working a lot and then you're going to have downtime and try to make the most of that downtime to get back in touch with yourself. Because for that three weeks that you were on a project, you were not in touch with yourself. You know, like your balance is not my balance. Right. And so like yeah. your projects are not my projects. When, when we're talking about like, what's a holistic way to approach this from staying healthy, staying intentional and doing great work, you know, if you're on a three week job versus a one week job, your your the flow of your life is is different. But yeah. the, the fact that you're able to identify that, you know, you've got these big concentrated work moments, these big concentrated like personal moments, that yeah. is in and of itself its own kind of version of its own its own balance. And I think it, yeah. that's great. It's like get it where you can. I love this quote. Um it's an African poet whose name is escaping mm -hmm. me, but he says, um, joy is enjoying what you do. You know, yeah. like it's that simple. So it's so easy, but like we forget that. Um, and also for years, like total anecdote, but like for years, I struggled with this. I was, I was upset with myself. Like, why can't I achieve balance? Like, I just want things to be balanced on a daily basis. And then the moment that I realized that it's not going to be a daily basis, like you chose a career path that is not going to be like the way that you, you know, you're trying to like fit this, like triangle into a circle and it's just not going to happen I don't know if that works but in any case like that's just not you know that's not what this is so I, when you come to terms with it and then you can adapt to whatever your situation is as long as you're finding the space for yourself whenever that is then you're golden how do we make what we want to make how do we keep that as a, as a barometer for these these decisions in terms of the projects that we're taking on I think a key thing here is to surround yourself with people that you see eye to eye with and that you really can collaborate with because that's one of the key things. 
can't like are you with a group of people that you can collaborate with that you creatively meld with and that if you have a problem with you can talk it out that the personalities are in sync um that would be my main thing to surround yourself with those kinds of people because then if someone gets something like a juicy project then they'll bring you on and then you're in a good group and now it becomes a project that you love because it's with a group of people that you love and it's going to be so much better that way um the other thing i think uh for this one is just to be cognizant that they're not all going to be things that you love and you have to just accept that they can't all be great projects some of them are just i i also hate saying this but some things are just cash grabs and that's <laughs> and that's okay the cash grab might later fund the project you love or help you do the project that you love because you made enough money on this thing to be able to do this thing that you love and then it's fine. I think staying in the frequency of momentum is a powerful thing unto itself as well. And of course, like, don't be in a toxic environment, but when things are moving forward and moving forward with you and you have open doors, I mean, there's just the, there's a power to be being able to say yes. But there's a power to being able to say no as well when you're that totally. clear on something. But if you're like, yeah. should I take it? Should I not take it? It's like, well, you know, like, take it. <laughs> take it. Yeah, no, 100. And I... When oh my god, when I first started, I was such a yes person. I used to say yes to every single thing. I wouldn't even think about it. I was like, oh, what is it? You want me to this? Done. You want yeah. me to yes, I'm doing it. And I would say yes to everything. And over time I learned this this thing of being a bit choosy and not always saying yes, just so that you can make decisions a bit better about what you're doing. But it's, but it's still, sometimes you just have to say yes. After yeah. having said yes for so much, you become a little bit more aware of things and then you can start being a little choosier with your projects. Absolutely. And I think that also leads to, you know, if you're going to say no, which is a, you know, it's a great thing if you, if you can clearly yeah. do that as well, but like find the right thing to fill your time with, find the alternative that is that is like the hell yes. Like if it's sitting down and writing a script or yeah. you know, going and learning a new skill or whatever it is. We're in a creative field. And if you're not exercising that creative muscle or in whatever creativity you are using, because I, you know, I mentioned earlier, I don't necessarily consider myself the most creative person in like a writing or in an ideating way, but I am creative in my own capacity in making budgets in problem solving in logistics and putting a team together. This also has its own brand of creativity. And if you're not exercising that muscle, you kind of like lose the habit of it in a way. So Absolutely. if you say no, you better be doing something else that's still like helping you to keep functioning in that way. So you don't forget it. Yeah. And this isn't for everybody else. Like this is for you. This is like yeah. add value to yourself. 100%. <laughs> I keep saying that, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Are there particular resources that you maybe utilize on a regular basis or have been really helpful to you over, over time? Okay. So I am a budget person. I bid a lot and this is kind of where my, my wheelhouse is. So I'm going to give a very specific note about budgeting um, <laughs> and bidding. Um, so if it, this is something to keep in mind when you're taking projects on. My friend calls it the triangle rule and it's you can only have three things, right? So the project is either going to be good, it's going to be fast, or it's going to be cheap and you have to pick two. Um, if you want something, if someone wants something very, very quickly, then you have to have 
um, enough of a budget to accommodate that because problem solving with a short timeline is means you're throwing money at things and that's just the nature of the thing. If you have more time, then it's easier to budget and, you know, make arrangements and plan it out properly so that you're not spending frivolously or, you know, with just like throwing around. Um, so that's, I think, something that if you aren't in this capacity, some people don't know that, you know, you get clients coming to you with something. They're like, hi, we want to shoot this next week on Tuesday. And it's <laughs> Wednesday or something or Thursday. And you're just yeah. like, okay, I mean, yes. Will you pay for all of the things for expediting and for making this crazy? Yeah. Um, it's, it, you know, I, I don't know, but it's, some people do forget that. And so I feel like that's something that's like a little organizational producer note that yeah. <laughs> that I would give um prep time is super important and people forget about it and so just give yourself you know if you're on a budget give yourself enough prep time to make sure that you get the outcome that you want do you have best practices for approaching those those clients and really like setting expectations around that the way that I try to approach it is I always try to approach it in a way that they it feels like it's something that they came up with or like it's their idea and I'm just trying to benefit, like, I'm trying to make this for them, you know? So it's like, it's something along the lines of like, look, yes, we can definitely do this, most likely. However, in order to do this, this is what we would need. The other option is this. Always presenting options is also a thing that I like to do, because then that way it's not your decision. It's ultimately the person that's paying it, it's their decision. So if you give them all of the options of the things that you can feasibly and reasonably do, then they can choose. And then then you're also in control of what the outcome is because you presented the option. Right. So that's kind of my, that's kind of my take on it. It's always presenting seven, you know, two or three options that I know I can do that I can make happen so that they can choose. And hopefully they do the one that I want. And if not, I, you know, I have my hand on the other ones too. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Are you familiar with Rev Think? Tell me more about it. They have this other triangle rule as well, which is picking projects based on, I think they call it the three R's, which are okay. reward, relationship, and real. I've totally heard this one before. Yeah. Yes, that one's like, a, that's <laughs> a known one. And that's true. That's another thing. That's about, that's even when you're trying to take on the project, like when you're thinking if you're going to accept this thing or whatever. Yeah. And it's so true. Because it's, it's hard. Because you get a lot of projects that you're just like, hmm, what am I going to get from this one? You know, and you have to kind of, uh, it's, I hate that, but also, like, that's just the reality of this. You are trying to get something out of the things that you do because you're trying to get somewhere. You're trying to achieve a goal, right? And so <laughs> not every project is going to be fulfilling or give you a relationship, but maybe it's going to look great on your reel. Um, maybe it's not the greatest project and you don't want to put it on your reel, but you're going to make a great contact that's going to help you for something else. And it's just so important to like have that thought process as you're picking things. You're trying to find a unique way to contribute, like for you to contribute value. And that has to do with having something productive to add to the project. And so sometimes the no and this filter of like, you know, is it really a good fit is not just a question of where the, where the money's going. It has to do with the, a, a matrix of things money is very important in this because we need money to be able to make things but it's not the only thing that should be a factor in the decision process well arlie montez it's great to have you on the show where can uh Thank where you. can people find you 
Um, oh my god, my Instagram is private, but I'm on there. If someone wants to add me, I'm Olala Arlie, and well, uh, I, I, I take it into consideration, huh? Yeah, no, I, 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 I check my Instagram a lot, and I post a pretty fair amount of stories. I like the stories. I just don't post a lot, but whatever. Um, I'm also on Twitter, but my Twitter is weird and kind of private. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's open. I, it's just like my weird musing because I don't have a lot of followers, so I just like random Go. stuff that flies <laughs> out. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of like TV show commentary and like random things of the world. So yeah, Twitter and Instagram. There I am. Well, thank yeah. you again so much for sharing. I love, I mean, this is like, it's like a field report of best practices for people that are in it, doing it on a regular yeah. daily basis. Uh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad I was able to do this. I'm glad we were able to like have our first little meeting on this podcast. Love uh, it. And uh, <laughs> hopefully we get to do it in person once all this stuff is gone. <laughs> when we're back in I don't know about you. I'm planning on it. I'm scheduling something. Come on down. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of the episode. If you liked what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, subscribe on YouTube and turn on notifications so you can keep up with the show. We release new content every single week. For those of you who have enjoyed episodes in the past and keep coming back, thank you so much for listening, and we would love it if you would rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts to help us get into more ears. See you next week.